Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday, October 15th edition of the MMA OB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Merton, and I'll be taking you guys through the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. Hope everyone's doing well on this Thursday morning. Uh, Tuesday morning, myself and Cole Sheldon broke down the entirety of UFC Fight Island 6, aka UFC on ESPN Plus 38. I definitely recommend you guys go back and check out Tuesday's edition of the podcast if you missed it. Uh, we broke down all the fights on the card. There is an update to the card that I want to get to in a few minutes, but I want to start with Bellator 249. That card takes place tonight. It's Thursday night, so uh, one of these Thursday night Bellator cards that they've been doing. I mean, it could be a good move for Bellator. We'll see. Obviously, the Friday thing wasn't working too well. Saturdays was, was always a bad idea for Bellator. I don't understand why they ever even bothered going head-to-head with the UFC, but I think Thursday, it could be Bellator's night. This could be what Bellator needs. They need a kind of a boost. Maybe the Thursday night thing is going to be something that's really good for them. So tonight we have you have Bellator 249, Chris Cyber versus Arlene Blenkow. Odds for that fight, obviously, are pretty uh, monumental right now. So I'll be breaking down the entirety of the card. Going to go over the topology, pull out the card, and we'll go right through it from the bottom to top. Let's we'll start with the prelims, work our way up. So I'm just pulling it up right now. Pull it up on a second screen here for you guys. And uh, I think almost all the fights have odds. There's one fight I believe that doesn't have odds, but we'll get that in a second. So let me just share the screen here. This should work. Let's see if this works. Is that working? Yeah, perfect. All right, sounds good. All right, we'll start with this first fight here, guys. Albert Gonzalez versus Castria Zima. Now, you look at the odds for this one. Currently, we have minus 160 on Zima, plus 130 on Gonzalez. Over at best fight odds. Um, kind of surprised they even get David Line for this fight because these guys aren't much experience. But uh, either way, we, right now we have Zima. He is the favorite. I guess it's a cool picture. He's kind of got what the Punisher thing going on for his weigh in photo. It's pretty cool. Anyways, this guy's three and four years old, 28 years old. Zima is. You look at his recent record, man. This is, it's not good. Like, it just makes you wonder, like, this guy, why is he getting so many shots in Belter? Almost all his pro fights have come in Belter. He's three and four. So I know his wins have been finishes, which is good to see, but the losses have been mostly stoppages. So this guy doesn't look very reliable to me. And you guys know I like putting my money on reliable fighters, and I'm looking at this guy, and there's nothing reliable with a 3-4 and four record. Takes on this guy, Albert Gonzalez, and you talk about, like, not much experience. 1-2 and two record, and he's coming off a loss himself. Bellator, he's 0-1. I don't know, guys. Just, like, again, you know, there's a lot of spots in this card. This is not one I I'd, uh, definitely would not want to put money on this fight. Because you don't know enough about these guys. You want to bet on guys you know a little bit about. There's not much to know about these guys. I guess I favor Zima a little bit just because of the experience advantage. He's got seven fights compared to three for Gonzalez. But again, that's not a fight I'd want to bet on. This is the fight that doesn't have odds for it. Avov Gonzalez against Logan Neal. I'm not sure why that doesn't have odds. All the other fights do. I guess they just must have missed it. Or just because, again, not much footage available on these guys. You look at their records. Guzali uh, 4-0, the king they call him. He has fought in Bellator a few, a few times, four times now. Got some nice finishes. This one, Imanari roll to heel hook. That's pretty unique. So this guy's definitely got a good ground game. He's fought in a lot of these, like, Israeli cards. Takes on this guy, Neil, here, who's got one fight. So he's got one fight, 27 years old. His one fight was a victory by submission in Valor fighting. So that's nice to see. He does have a, quite a bit of amateur experience as I'm looking through it. So that's nice to see. Again, sometimes these guys don't have much pro experience, and they have a lot of amateur experience. This is one of those guys. So... 
you know, we don't have odds for it, so I don't have to go crazy on this one. But uh, I, I would pick Gazali just based on the four fights. Like, once again, I think the experience is a big advantage. But the fact they don't have odds for this just shows you the odds makers probably weren't confident laying a line on a guy that they don't really know much about at all. Next fight, and this one's pretty interesting. Damon Blackshear against Mike Kimbrell. And right now we have Damon Blackshear minus 260, Kimbrell plus 200. Excuse me, it's Kimbrell, not Kimbrell. I'm thinking of K uh, Craig Kimbrell. Anyways, Damon Blackshear, he's 73 years old. They call him the Diamond. So he took Dustin Poirier's nickname, apparently. He's 26 years old. And he's coming off a win in CES. He's fought uh, in that promotion, which is a pretty solid promotion. CFFC, he's a Northeastern uh, United States guy, NAF. So he's fought, you know, a decent amount of promotions here in the Northeast. As far as like, success level goes, I mean, he's, what, 3-3 three and three in his last six? Again, not a reliable guy. And I'm just questioning why he's minus 260. I mean, Kimball... Three and two now. He's only 23 years old, by the way. Remember that. He's still super young. He came in in Bellator and had some nice wins. Two back-to-back -back, uh, knockouts here, and then he got submitted, and this was a pretty big upset. Picks up a win and then gets knocked out in his last fight. So people are obviously down on him. The odds makers are down on this guy, but I still feel like he's got some potential. And honestly, at plus 200, I'm taking a shot at him. Mike Kimball here over Damon Blackshear, and definitely it's not a fight you can go crazy on because, again, you know, these guys are not high-level fighters. They're not too reliable but i just feel like this this line doesn't make sense to me i don't understand why it's minus 260 plus 200 it's kind of weird i think it's a very very close fight actually and i would take the shot on the dog here at plus 200 for sure and uh, my belter picks has actually been pretty good lately last week at the paris card i got quite a few dogs right in the prelims anyways here uh next up we have a 205 pound fight between christian edwards and hamza salim and right now we have Edwards minus 265, Salim plus 205. So look at these guys here. Christian Edwards, 3-0, 3-0 record. Only 21 years old, which I like to see. 6-5, 78.5-inch reach. That's nice to see from this guy. Four straight wins. Excuse me, three straight wins. This is like the grappling boat. Three straight wins in Bellator, two by stoppage. Again, the level competition, not very good. 3-2, 0-0, 3-1. But this guy's been finishing people, and he's super young, 21 years old. I love that. And I love the fact that he's tall and long. That's good, too. You look at Hamza Salim here, five and three record. <laughs> Hamza, the Hamza Salim, it's like the James Crows kind of thing. He's still a pretty big dude. He's 6'1, but look at that reach 72.5. The other guy had 78.5, six inch reach advantage. That's pretty massive. Uh, if you look at Salim here coming off a loss in his last fight, and again, a guy who's been kind of inconsistent, five and three record. He's fought in uh, some Canadian promotions like DFL before, which is good to see, but I don't know, man. I mean, coming off the loss here and then before that, he had won three straight fights, but. Just so inconsistent, three and three in his last six fights. I couldn't pick this guy. I think Edwards going to win this fight, guys. Pretty sure he wins probably by knockout. I'd be looking at Edwards here again. You know, not a ton of experience, but from what I've seen, he should win this fight. In my suit, sixty-five. You know, you could potentially be parlaying that. I think a lot of people will want to parlay that. Uh, next up, we have a. What is it? Okay, we have a welterweight bout between Kyle Kruckwer and Cameron Lachinov. This fight actually opened as a pick which I thought was very surprising because I thought Kruckwer would open as a big favorite. And right now we have Kyle Kruckwer minus 250 and Lachinov plus 190. So the opening line definitely was not a good one. Uh, Kruckwer should be a clear favorite here, in my opinion. 6-0 record, 27 years old. Uh, the guy's really good. Strong wrestler, man, and he's looked good in MMA so far. He's in 6-0, and he's won both his fights in Bellator, including the last one by Anaconda Choke. So, guy's definitely impressive. And then Lacharov here, 9-2 record, killer cam, they call him. Now, he's known for his knee bars. He's got three of them in his career, which is impressive. Uh, this is a guy that's been fighting on the Bellator prelims. Uh, even for someone that like me who follows Bellator pretty well, this is not really a guy that I know a ton about, even though he's fought a few times in Bellator, uh, just because he's always on the prelims, right? 
But, you know, you got to like what you see here with the seven straight wins. Having said that, I still feel like the odds makers blew this line. This should be uh, Corrupter being a big favorite. And he, he opened as a as an underdog or a pick I should say. So uh, at, at pick-em odds, that was a no-brainer if he got in there. But I like him even as a decent-sized favorite. I still think Corrupter wins. You know, I, I, I like him quite a bit here, guys. I think he takes a latch him off down, beats him up, maybe gets a stoppage, if not just wins a decision here. But I like him quite a bit to win this fight. It's got to watch out for these knee bars. Uh, next up, we have a middleweight bout between Joseph Creer and Andrew Kappel. And right now for the odds from this one, we have Kappel, minus 140, Creer, plus 110. So right now, you're looking at Kappel, and this guy had a nice win in his Bellator debut over King Mo. He knocked him out in his uh, first fight in Bellator to win five straight fights overall, but then he gets pretty much dominated by John Salter's last fight. John Salter's a pretty good fighter, so... No shame in that loss. And he managed to survive almost the full 50 minutes, but still gets tapped out there. Um, it just kind of shows what level he's at. He's not really an elite guy. The King Mo win was a kind of a win over a guy who's at the end of his career. You look at this Joseph Career guy, 7-1-1. The thing I don't like is he's 38 years old. I saw that right away. That doesn't that's not something I like to see from a guy that's kind of you know a regional level fighter. Um Kappel's 35, so he's not young by any means, but 38 is pretty old. Uh, this guy's been pretty impressive in his career overall. He did lose the fight to Austin Vanderford by Dr. Savage, but overall he's been pretty impressive. But I got to go with Kappel here. That's my lean in this fight. He does have more experience in Bellator, um, and he's fought better level competition, I think, throughout his career. So that would be my my lean here. But it's not a, it's not a crazy lean. Kappel's uh, coming off that loss, and, and I don't know what to expect from him here, but I, I do think he probably wins this fight. All right, next up, we have a heavyweight bout between Sean T and Steve Mowry. This is a good fight. You know, the winner of this fight uh, is a really good prospect at heavyweight. I think Steve Mowry is the guy that the UFC could have signed, and I think they kind of dropped the ball on him there. Uh, you're looking at this fight, and right now the odds have Steve Mowry as a minus 260 favorite, Sean T at plus 200. Now, it is a lower-level MMA fight. We really have no idea how good these guys are. I've heard nothing but good things about Steve Mowry for a long time now. Uh, I've definitely been uh, impressed by what I've seen, and I've heard good things. But again, he hasn't really fought high level competition. But you look at this guy, he's just a physical specimen. Six foot eight, 79 inch reach. He's a big dude, 20 years old, right in his prime. He's training down in Florida. He's training with good fighters. And you look at his resume, um, he was nothing but impressive at Titan and gets signed to Bellator. And since then, three wins uh, two by Kamura, one by Americana. So that's clearly his move. He wants to get you to the ground, wants to get on top of you, and wants to get that submission. I mean, this guy's impressive. He is. So I, I really like him a lot. Um, Sean T is a guy that. He's six two and one. Call him the Norwegian nightmare. And uh, Sean Teed, pull the wrong thing. Uh, Sean Teed, six two and one here. Twenty eight years old. Uh, here's, here's the thing. He was on Contender Series. He lost to Juan Adams by knockout. Looking back, that's not a good loss at all. Sean, uh, Juan Adams is not even in the UFC anymore. Um, also got knocked away uh, Azuna and Wanyu, who is in the UFC too for a cup of coffee. He got cut. So those losses bother me. He does have a win over Chris Dawkins though. We should point that out by submission, which is nice. But the inconsistency bothers me. One, one, and one in his last three fights. I don't like that. Yeah, I got to go with Steve Mowry here, guys. I mean, again, he's just nothing but impressive. 7 and 0, 60. I love this. Six foot eight, 79 inch reach. I love that. Physical specimen, great submission game. I think he wins for sure. So Steve Mowry's a guy that I, I personally would parlay because I do think he wins this fight. You know, typically I do stay, tend to stay away from the lower level heavyweight fights, but I'm all in on this guy. I think he's a really good prospect. All right, next up, uh, lightweight. We have Sadawa against Mandel Nello. Right now, Nello minus 250, a wad plus 210. So look at these guys. Nello, 7-1's Canadian fire. They call him rat garbage. I think of his hair or something. Got the, I think he's got the rat tail thing going on behind that. But anyways, uh, TriStar Gym guy. And you know what? He's a guy that when he came to Bellator, 
man, a lot of promise. And he had the, the two straight wins by by knockout here over Carrington Banks and Alec Williams. But, you know, last fight gets stopped by Achilles Motor with leg kicks. That it bothered me. I and mean, the way he was getting uh, – I was struck in that fight. But there's a lot to like about him. He's uh, six foot oh and 75-inch reach for the lightweight division. So he's a big dude for this division. I like that a lot, long reach. And you look at his opponent here, Sadawad. Sadawad, he's been around a long time. you got to respect this guy. Long-time Bellator veteran, 23 and 13. But there's a few things not to like here. 37 years old, so he's getting up there in age. Here's what not to like either. Four straight losses, including back-to-back stoppage losses. you got to give this guy credit. He's been around a long time. He has that win over Will Brooks. I remember betting on him there. I think it was plus 400. That was seven years ago. Wow, it's crazy. But, yeah, I I like I, uh, I don't like him here, guys. i, I got to be honest. Uh, four straight losses, this is a guy you have to fade. So I really like Nello in this fight. I think he wins. I don't like the odds, though. The odds open much lower. The odds opened uh, at Nello minus one forty-five. I would have taken him there minus two fifty. It's a little more iffy. A lot does have power. He could stop this guy. But overall, I think Nello wins. I just feel like the the reach, the height, all that stuff's in his advantage, and he should win this fight. And the age too. Uh, next up, we have a bandway belt between Ricky Bedejas and Leandro Higo. Interesting fight here. And right now, we have Ricky Bedejas minus one sixty. Higo plus one forty. So. Pretty competitive odds. Uh, Ricky Bedejas, very impressive young fighter, thirteen and four record, twenty eight years old. I like this guy's size for the division: 5'10", 70 inch reach. So blessed for for the size in this division in bantamweight. I think this guy's been pretty good in Bellator. I mean, you look at some of the wins he has; they're not bad. James Gallagher is a nice win, and um, even some of these ones before he came to the UFC. Uh, excuse me, to Bellator, he had wins over guys like Marab Devalishvili, who's in the UFC, and Tony Gravely, who's in the UFC. So this guy has good wins, and I've always liked him. Um, I know he struggled a bit. You look at his last five fights, two and three, but look who he lost to. Sergio Pettis, who's probably going to be uh, a champion in Bellator at some point. Patchy Mix, who could be a, a champion in Bellator at some point. And Juan Archuleta, who just won the belt in Bellator. So those are no bad losses there. Those are three really good guys. To be fair, the guys he's beaten in between are not that great, but he does have the win over Gallagher, which looks really good now. Uh, taking on Leandro Higo here, Higo, 19-5 record, 31 years old. They call him Pitbull. He's another guy from the Pitbull team. Uh, I've always heard good things about Leandro Higo, and, and he's been in Bellator for a couple of years now, and he's been uh, up and down. He has the win over Taimongo, which was nice. The Sean Bunch win his last fight was nice, but you look at the losses. Got stopped by Pico, got stopped by Caldwell, lost a splitter to Dantes. Um, he does have quite a bit of experience, though, fighting for, for instance, the ultimate fighter in Brazil in the fourth season. Uh, he beat Steven Peterson, who's in the UFC right now. So this guy's been around a long time. He's been fighting as a pro since 2006. So you got to respect this guy. He's been around forever. But uh, overall, i, I got to go with Bandejas here. I like him quite a bit, guys, honestly. Um, you know, Higo is, is a good fighter. He's not bad at all. But Bandejas, I think, has a lot of advantages here. I believe he wins the decision here, if not gets a stoppage potentially as well. But I really like Ricky Bandejas. Minus one six, he's not bad. I don't think that's a bad line at all. Go to the co-main event here. Uh, we have Patricky Pipple versus Jaleel Willis. And right now, we have Patricky Pipple is a pretty big favorite. Minus 300, Willis plus 250. So this is not Patricio Pipple. This is Patricky Pipple. Keep that in mind. I always wonder when people that don't know Bellator are betting on these fights and just see Pitbull if they even know which one they're betting on. But either way, Patricky Pipple, 23-9 record. Um, the guy's been around Bellator for a long time, 34 years old now. He's a veteran of the sport. Again, his brother is is the better Pitbull brother. I think that's fair to say, double champ. But this guy's been around for a long time in Bellator since 2011. He's been winning fights at a high level since then. You know, you look at some of the wins over the years, even when he first came to Bellator, like Ray Jermall McCullough, Toby Amato, who's coming off that win at the time over Masvidal, Kurt Pellegrino, who was a former UFC veteran, obviously had a lot of losses in there, Chandler, Alvarez, and 
those guys are great. But even over the years, he's had some decent wins like Sadawad, Ryan Couture, Kevin Souza. That was a nice win. Josh Thompson, Benson Henderson, uh, Derek Campos, Roger Huerta, Tetsuo Kaujiri. He's just a solid fighter. He's an underrated guy. People don't talk about him. He's not one of the top 10 lightweights. He's not a top 15 lightweight in the world, but he's probably a guy that's like in the top 25, top 30. He's a solid fighter. He is coming off a loss, though, in his last fight, the Tofik Musayev. But again, that was in a rising tournament, second fight in the same night. So you got to have at least some consideration on that when you're looking at this fight against Willis. And we'll talk about Willis now. I got to point out this guy missed weight, which I don't like. He's also coming down for a welterweight. His last fight, he fought in LFA as a welterweight and won the title. So he's moving down to lightweight for this fight, which is very interesting. Um, overall, Willis, 13-2 record, 28 years old. I mean, there's a lot to like with this kid. You know, physically, 5'11", 76-inch reach. You've got to like that in the lightweight division. And he's on forced fight win streak, which is nice to see. Uh, overall, I mean, you look at his uh, level of competition, it's been kind of – it's just been okay. I don't think it's been great by any means. He has fought for WSOF. He's fought in Bellator in the past. But now he's back in uh, LFA and – or excuse me, he went to LFA, and then since then he won the title and came back to Bellator. So I think this was a good sign for Bellator. A little surprised UFC didn't sign this guy because they typically do sign the LFA uh, champions, but Bellator signed him. I just don't like the weight miss that bothers me. I have no idea how this guy's going to look at uh, lightweight, but I do think there is a lot to like about him besides that. I mean, he's really young, and you know he's, he's a guy that has, again, a, a nice little win streak going on here, so... I think he's got a chance to win as a dog. Um, I have to go with Pitbull. i got to lean towards him. Just, again, the experience in the Bellator cage. And overall, I mean, besides the last loss, he has got a, quite a bit of momentum coming into this fight too. So my lean would be Pitbull. Probably wins the decision here against Willis, who has only been stopped once in his career. But, you know, I think Willis is kind of a live dog. I just wish he made weight. That, that definitely bothers me. I don't really know he's going to show up in this fight. Finally, we get to the main event here. It's Chris Cyborg against Arlene Blenkow. And... I mean, you look at the odds for this one, guys, like, <laughs> oh, man. Look at the odds for this one. Right now, we got Chris Cyborg, minus 1250, Arlene Blancal, plus 800. Crazy. All right, so we'll go to Chris Cyborg here. And obviously, you have to favor her. I mean, the odds show that 22-2 and two record. She's one of the greatest fighters of all time, the women's divisions. 35 years old. And... She's still fighting at a high level. Looked great in her last three fights against Bud. Just destroyed her. And then the Felicia Spencer fight was a beating too. The loss to Manny Nunez obviously got caught in that fight. It was a crazy fight. But what else are we going to say about Chris Cyborg? I mean, she's fought and defeated like most of the best fighters in the world for like the last 15 years. She's an incredible fighter. And uh, you got to love Chris Cyborg, man. And to me, this this is definitely a squash match. Um, Blenkow... 13-7 record, 37 years old. She's even older than Cyborg. You know, she's not been around that long, but she's even older than Cyborg. She's been fighting as a pro seven years now. And she is coming off three straight wins. So I'll give her that. But overall, there's just not much to like about her here, I don't think. Uh, Chris Cyborg, just much more polished fighter, much more polished striker. The question is, does this uh, Blenkow, does she survive the full 25 minutes or does she get stopped? I'm leaning towards a stoppage, but she is pretty tough. You look through her record. She's been submitted a few times, but never been stopped with strikes. I think this is going to be the first time she had stopped with strikes. My pick is Chris Cyborg, my stoppage. There's no prop for that, unfortunately. Maybe keep an eye out today to see if a prop comes out, if you guys want to bet on that. But my pick would be Chris Cyborg by knockout. I don't think I'm going on that limb there. I think that's a pretty uh, safe pick. All right, so that's it for the Bellator 249 preview. So let's go to some news here. Conor McGregor, he says he's agreed to fight uh, Dustin Poirier in January. And uh, Dana White says he was offered a uh, fight to Conor and to Dustin. And apparently Conor McGregor has agreed to that fight now. So 
that's a fight that I think all the fans want to see. It does suck that we're not going to see the Dustin Poirier, Tony Ferguson fight. It seems like that fight for some reason has just kind of slipped by the wayside, but Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier is a tremendous fight. I can't wait to see this fight. We have seen this fight once, as we all know, back in 2014. That was six years ago. They're different fighters now. Um, Conor McGregor did win that fight in the first round by KO, but it was at 145. It was six years ago. Dustin Poirier is a much different fighter now. He's a much more uh, confident fighter, much more accomplished fighter, a much more well-rounded fighter. I think that loss really changed his career because Dustin Poirier moved up to lightweight after that. And since moving up to lightweight, he's been nothing but a stud. So you, you look at the betting odds for that fight right now. Right now, Conor McGregor minus 180, Dustin Poirier plus 155. You know, guys, I think a lot of people are going to bet on Connor. He always gets money. He's a public fighter. But I really think that Dustin Poirier has a good chance to win this rematch. Um, and I was a guy that bet heavy on Connor the first time. I think I parlayed her with Kat Gano on that card. And Kat had a real tough fight with Amanda Nunes, came back and won. But, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, Dustin Poirier actually has a good shot to win this rematch. Um, just based on the high level he's been fighting and much more active, too. So, We'll see what happens. I mean, the fight's not official by any means, but it looks like there's a really good chance that Conor McGregor could fight Dustin Poirier in January, which would be awesome. Now you look at some of the other news here. Uh, UFC 256, Amanda Nunez will be headlining that card now against Megan Anderson. So the headliner was supposed to be Kamaru Usman against Gilbert Burns, but that fight was scratched. I don't know when that fight's going to happen. Hopefully in January. It feels like Burns hasn't fought in a while. He was fighting every week, and then all of a sudden he hasn't fought in, what, like four or five months now. So you got to love Gilbert Burns, though. I mean, the guy, he, he was pretty much like the COVID-era fighter, and he definitely deserves that shot against Kamar Usman. But that fight's off the card. So now the main event is Amanda Nunes against Megan Anderson, and the co-main event will be Aljamain Sterling against Peter Yan for the UFC Bantamweight title. I'll talk about that fight in a few minutes, a little bit more detail. But overall, I mean, it's not the strongest, I don't think, card in the year. I think that a lot of fans were hoping they'd get Conor on that card or maybe Stipe Miocic on that card against Nagano or possibly Adesanya on that card against someone. But at the end of the day, there's still two title fights. Nunez Anderson, Yan Sterling. That's pretty good. Um, we already have the odds up for Anderson and uh, Nunez. We've had them for a while, and I'm just looking at an update right now. Man and Nunez minus 900. And Megan Anderson plus 540. I'm not too sure how many people are going to like Megan Anderson in that fight. Amanda Nunes, once again, will probably dominate the fight and get another stoppage. Looking at some other news here. Uh, UFC on ESPN plus 38. That's this weekend's card. Unfortunately, had one late scratch. This one's interesting. So, uh, Cyril Gaon was supposed to fight Anti Delia in a heavyweight boat in the co-main event. Cyril Gaon, I talked about him with Cole on Tuesday. I'm very high on him. Most people are. I mean, the guy's a, a prospect, man, at uh, heavyweight. 6-0, 3-0 in the UFC. He heel-hooked on to amazing. I mean, who gets a heel-hook at heavyweight? So the guy's super impressive. I got to like the guy a lot. Um, but, you know, Delia is a guy that's interesting because you look at his resume, he's fought quite a bit of guys over in Europe and now in the States. Uh, a guy who's fighting in PFL, a guy fighting in Risen. The problem is the PFL fight. PFL says they have him under contract and they wouldn't let him fight. So, unfortunately, Delia was not able to fight due to contractual issues. And I'm sure the UFC will try to fight that. I think it's pretty lame the PFL stepped in and did that. You know, I, I like the PFL. Uh, it's a nice option for fighters. Obviously, a lot of guys have won a million dollars. Sean O'Connor, Lance Palmer, a bunch of guys. Even Philippe Lins, didn't he win a million dollars? It's crazy, right? But the problem is the way that their contracts are so. Uh, really ironclad now you see guys like palmer suing them because he wants out uh, a guy like brandon lofton signed with them can't get a fight now because they're not doing events so unfortunately delia seems to be part of that group of fighters now that's having problems with pfl i don't agree with this move at all i mean we've seen this happen in other promotions before they still block a fighter even a few months ago there was a fight in uh, uh 
there was a fighter that fought in Kabachi. I think he fought uh, Merab. Can't remember his name now, but Com uh, Campbell McLaren at first had blocked it, and then he changed his mind, and he's like, you know, I'll let this kid fight. I just think it's lame if PFL thought to let this guy fight because you think about it, there's no fights right now going on in PFL. So they really should have let this guy out of his contract and fight in the UFC. The fact they blocked it at the last minute is really crappy. I mean, this guy is probably already cutting weight. He's already in Abu Dhabi too, so really lame. But it does suck that fight got canceled. Maybe he'll be able to run it back. I just hope for this guy's sake he's able to get out of that deal with PFL and is able to stay in the UFC because that's where all the fighters want to be. And Delia, I think, is a pretty good prospect, even though I think this was a really tough matchup against Cyril Gunn. Dana White uh, was asked about the Korean Zombie and Brian Ortega. That's this weekend's main event. And once again, you can listen to the podcast or check out my written preview over at maodsbreaker.com for the main event. Now, I think a lot of us assume this would be a number of contender fight. And now we have confirmation from Dana White. It is a number of contender fight. The winner will get a title shot against Alex Volkanovsky, which I think is okay. I mean, especially if it's the Zombie. He's won two straight fights. This would be a th third straight win over a guy. And Brian Ortega is currently ranked number two. But, I mean, it's just kind of crazy that if Brian Ortega goes in there and he gets the upset win, and I know – and he could. I mean, Brian Ortega is a, a really good fighter. He could go out there and get the upset. If he does, he'll skip by guys like Calvin Cater, who's been fighting so actively – a guy like Zabit, who has been fighting so actively for the most part, and a guy like Yair Rodriguez just had some injury troubles, but for the most part, he's been an absolute stud, and he already has a head-to-head -head win over Korean Zombie, too. It would be kind of crappy if Brian Ortega got the win here and then gets a title shot for those guys, in my opinion. So maybe the UFC will change their mind if Ortega wins, but I think if Zombie wins, 100% he gets the shot, just because of the name value, because of the excitement value. And again, the, the loss to Rodriguez, and that, that was two years ago now. You know, Rodriguez, unfortunately, hasn't really capitalized on that. He hasn't been very active due to injuries. So I think the guy that's getting screwed here is Zabit. Zabit's a guy that wanted to fight Yair. Yair is the one who pulled with injuries a couple times now. I think Zabit's kind of getting screwed here, but it looks like he'll probably have to fight again. And I know he probably doesn't want to. He probably feels like he deserves that title shot, but it looks like Zabit might have to fight one more time before he gets his own title shot. Next up, we have uh, Kamzat Chemaev. So once again, you know, he's called out uh, all these guys in the top five, top ten of the UFC welterweight division. But right now, it's looking like Neil Magny could be the guy that gets the uh, the fight here. Uh, Neil Magny, he's he's been pretty open that he wants the fight. Dana White uh, mentioned Neil Magny by name yesterday and said, you know, I I, I got to respect Neil. He's the only guy who's really stepped up and said he wants the fight. But they haven't made the fight yet, so. UFC, clearly, they like Kamzat. We all do. They want to give him a step up to, like, a serious level of competition, top five, top ten kind of guy. Neil um, Magny is ranked number ten. I think that's the perfect matchup. I've been saying it for a few weeks now. I think that's the perfect fight. Neil Magny versus Kamzat Chumaya. But, again, it's going to be up to the UFC what they want to do if they choose uh, not to do that fight. I don't know who else they're going to give him, though. Because at this point, none of these guys in the top five want to fight Kamzat. And, honestly, who can blame them? You look at guys like Wonderboy. A guy like Leon Edwards, these guys have been fighting for their rankings for a long time. They deserve uh, to fight against high-level guys like that. A guy like Kamzat, he's won three straight fights, but he's beaten three guys that are not ranked. Gerald Mirchard was a good win for him, but he's not a ranked guy. So to me, it's kind of unfair this guy's able to waltz in and kind of get a top-five opponent and, and ask for them. When guys like, for instance, Jeff Neal, who's won five fights in a row, he can't even get an opponent. I think Magny is the perfect fight. I hope they make that fight. It's a fair fight. I think Magny has a good chance to win. I think that's why the UFC doesn't want to make the fight because I think they feel like Magny stylistically has a really good chance to win with his cardio, with his just overall pace. And a five-round fight, I think you have to favor Magny a little bit because of the cardio and the pace. I know Cam's that's amazing, but I think that's a really, really interesting fight. So I hope they make that fight. I hope they're going to make the Magny-Kamaya uh, fight. 
And this one's kind of interesting. Uh, Jessica Andrade, she spoke about uh, potentially making more history and moving up to 145. She said she's open to it. I don't think it's going to happen. I think she was just kind of saying it as a joke, but it'd be interesting to see her fight four weight classes. She was a beast even at 135. She's a very strong fighter, as we know, but I'm curious to see how this fight this weekend goes against uh, Chikagian at 125. I don't know. We talked about on the podcast, and I know Andrade is favorite, and I really like Andrade, but I'm starting to think Chikagian has some decent value as an underdog And just quickly, we have two fight announcements to talk about. Uh, Peter Yan versus Aljamain Sterling. That fight is official, like I mentioned, for UFC 256 in December, and we do have odds for that right now. Minus 130 uh, yen and plus 110 sterling, so super close odds, but right now we have uh, Peter Yang as a very small favorite, which I definitely think is fair. He actually opened, I think, at minus 180 this morning, minus 185 early this morning, so uh, early action coming on sterling, but super early, um, small limits right now, and this fight will get a lot of action, I'm sure, but I, I do think Yan should be favored here based on his body of work so far in the UFC. Sterling's been incredible, but We've seen him lose a few times in the UFC. Never seen Yan lose a fight in the UFC. I think Peter Yan will be favored quite a bit in that fight uh, by the time we get to the fight. I think minus 130 right now, if you're going to take Yan, that's not a bad line at all. But again, the limits are low. You can only probably bet a few hundred bucks, I think, guess. Um, next up, Joaquin uh, Buckley versus Jordan Wright. This is another fight that's going to happen. Uh, this was at UFC 255. So Buckley getting back in there pretty short notice against uh, Wright. You got a month to train for this fight. Uh, man, Buckley coming off that insane knocker win over Impa Kasangane. You got to like Buckley in this fight. I mean, Wright is pretty good. We saw him beat Phil Nueva in his first fight by Dr. Stoppage. And he's a guy who's technically undefeated, but he did lose to Anthony Hernandez by strikes. Anthony Hernandez tested positive for marijuana, and uh, the the uh, result was overturned. But overall, I mean, I think you got to like uh, uh, Buckley in this fight just based on the last win. Now, the question is, is he going to be hyped up too much now because of that uh, win? And you're going to forget about the loss to Kevin Holland. We'll see. Um, but either way, he should be favored in this fight. I would assume he's going to be like a minus 300 favorite, if, the, if I had to guess, because of that win. Everyone's going to want to bet on Joaquin Buckley. Anyways, I think that's going to be it for today's podcast, guys. A little bit of a shorter show, half an hour. But uh, hope you guys got some insight into Bellator 249 with me. That takes place tonight on CBS Sports Network. So definitely watch that card if you're itching for some MMA. And there's definitely some spots on I'm looking at it right now. And, and there's some good spots on it for maybe some parlays and a few underdogs. So definitely uh, you know, watch that card tonight. But, of course, Saturday's card, UFC on ESPN Plus 38. That's the card we're all looking forward to. Really good card. Korean Zombie, Brian Ortega. Again, Tuesday, myself and Cole Sean, we broke down the entire card. Uh, over at maoddsbreaker.com, I have my full written preview for the main event, for the opening odds. And uh, over at uh, maraings.net, I have a, an article there that I would love for you guys to check out on Joaquin Buckley. And my question is, you know, whether or not he's a basically a one-hit wonder or if he's going to be a guy who's going to be in contention for a long time at 185. So definitely check that out. And uh, bjpan.com, always there with the news. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Martin. I hope you have an awesome day, everyone, and, and a great weekend. And for sure, you know, remember to subscribe and share the podcast over at YouTube, maoddsbreaker.com slash YouTube, or at Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, a bunch of other places. And I'm going to get this last question from Marcus before I get out of here. Hey, Marcus, how are you, man? I'm happy to see Sterling get the Yan fight. Time of the fight, I suspect, makes me think Marias would have got Yan if he beat San Hagen. Sterling should have been booked a long time ago. I, I do agree with you, Marcus, uh, as well on this one. Um, the fact they just announced this once Marias lost makes me think that he might have got that title shot as well. And you look at it, and, and Marias, uh, he's an impressive guy, and he had the win over Sterling. He had a win over Aldo. He had some good wins, but I think that Sanhagen took a lot of the steam out of the sales, and uh, Marias is pretty far back now in this uh, division's uh, 
title picture, unfortunately. Anyways, that's going to be it for today's show, guys. I hope you have an amazing weekend. I'll be back Tuesday, 10 a.m., break down UFC 254 and recap this weekend's Fire Island card. Have an amazing weekend, everyone. Talk to you later. Bye.